Support accounting instruction by clicking the link below, giving you a free month membership to all of the content on our website, broken out by category, further broken out by course. Each course then organized in a logical, reasonable fashion, making it much more easy to find what you need than can be done on a YouTube page. We also include added resources such as Excel practice problems, PDF files, and more like QuickBooks backup files when applicable. So once again, click the link below for a free month membership to our website and all the content on it. Personal finance presentation, financial institutions, deposit institutions, prepare to get financially fit by practicing personal finance. There are a wide variety of financial services and a wide variety of financial institutions that provide those services, making it a little bit difficult to figure out what exactly our particular needs are. So what we're going to do here is break out the financial services and those institutions in a bit more detail, putting them into categories and groups so we have a better understanding of what financial services are out there and which kind of institutions provide them. We're gonna start off with the financial institutions here, including deposit institutions. These are gonna be four broad categories that we're then gonna further break out into actual institutions, starting with deposit institutions, non-deposit institution, other financial service providers, and non-bank financial service providers. Let's start off with the most common one, the one that most people are most familiar with, that being the deposit institution, starting off with the commercial banks. Then we have the credit unions, similar kind of services with the deposit institutions, saving and loan association, and the mutual saving bank. So we'll let's look at these in a bit more detail and see if we can do some comparing and contrasting, starting off with the bank, which is most likely the most well-known of the deposit institutions. They offer consumers and small to mid-sized businesses with basic banking service, including deposit accounts and loans. So clearly the bank is where you're going to go generally to want to make your checking account and possibly savings account and then be able to, in essence, park your money, allowing the bank to hold on to the money, especially that money that's going to be more liquid that you would like to use and dip into as you are making deposits and uh, recording transactions. So that is clearly a critical component of most people's financial business is to have an area that they can put their money and dip into it and the bank providing one of those main services. The other big area then being loans and oftentimes mortgages for example being a, one of the most common types of loans as well as small business loans so they may make money from a variety of fees and by earning interest income from loans so you might say well how does the bank earn money because when i have my checking account they charge me basically nothing which is amazing that they can do that where do they get their money well they're gonna they're gonna get their money from the earnings on things like loans so when you put your money into the bank then they're not simply holding on to that money per se. They're going to hold on to some part of it as a reserve in essence, and then they're going to take the rest of it and try to loan it out to others in the format of mortgages and business loans, hopefully making then interest on those loans and they're going to be generating revenue. Now, as you hear this, you might be saying, hey, that sounds like kind of a scam. Like, how, <laughs> how does that even work? I'm giving them money so that they can hold on to my money so that I can dip into it and spend it when I want. And they're not holding on to my money. They're giving it away to others in order to, to, to generate revenue. That seems kind of, kind of scammy. Like, how does that work? Note that if, if I went back and asked for all my money back as one person, shouldn't be a problem because 
if they have enough people that are putting money into the bank, then they'll be able to give all my money back if I wouldn't ask for it back. But you can imagine a situation where people panic and everybody goes in and asks for their money back and they wouldn't have it because they loaned it all out. So what happens then? Well, note that that has happened in the past, say the 1930s, there were quote, run on the banks, end quote. And that was a problem and when they, what the one thing they tried to do to give more assurance to people so there wouldn't be runs on the banks is to give some kind of federal insurance for a proportion of the deposits in the bank, which should give us more assurance that the money that we have in the bank uh, could be secured given the fact that it's backed up and supported if we're talking about an FDIC federally insured bank uh, by the government. So then they have traditionally been located in physical locations, but a growing number now operate exclusively online. So when we think about normal banks, especially like big institutional corporate banks, we would assume them to have more physical locations, be able to actually visit and get physical uh, communication with the bank. But even these banks are going more and more online because that's the given trend that is going on at this point in time. Commercial banks create capital, credit, and liquidity in the market. So banks are clearly an important point of the, just the economics of the cash flow, cash flow being basically the lifeblood of the economy. So the idea, the concept of people putting their money into the bank and the bank holding onto a reserve and then giving out loans, business loans and mortgages so that people can basically do business given the liquidity into the market is part of the whole economic system that allows the money to flow into the system. So then we have credit unions. We have similar services with the credit unions with some differences. We have the financial, they are financial uh, cooperatives that provide traditional banking services to their members. They have fewer options than traditional banks but offer clients access to better rates and uh, often more ATM locations because they are not publicly traded and only need to make enough money to continue daily operations. So one, the fact that they're not publicly traded and they're set up a bit differently than the corporations means they have different tax implications, they have different regulatory implications, and if run well, if run efficiently, then that can translate to benefits in, to the members because they can pass on that more efficiency of having a, a not less regulations to the members if, again, they're able to run their operations uh, efficiently. So uh, get, get uh, credit unions have considerably fewer brick and mortar locations than most banks. So clearly there's gonna be pros and cons on the bank side of things. If you're talking about a big corporate bank, then they should have a lot of locations. They should have, you would expect them to have the highest of quality in terms of online kind of activity and in terms of the, the services that they provide. The credit union may not have as many of those things, may not have as much locations for you to, to visit, uh, but, uh, they could have the benefit when you do talk to them you might be as they say like a bigger fish in a smaller pool meaning because there's they're not so big you might draw some more attention and get some more personalized uh, information with a credit union than, than possibly you would at a large bank it depends from the credit union to credit union however credit unions are exempt from paying corporate uh, income tax on their earnings so they have different tax systems than a large bank as well which again could result in being able to run leaner if they're able to run their operations lean 
pass some of those benefits on to the members. Savings and Loan Association formed as a result of the regulatory movement that followed the Great Depression. They focused on low-cost funding for mortgages and savings and checking accounts. The Office of Thrift Supervision began regulating these institutions after the savings and loan crisis. The savings and loan deposits are now insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So you have similar kind of processes here. You got similar kind of pros and cons with comparison to the large banking institutions. And then we have the federal deposit insurance, which is something that you want to look into when, you, when you're thinking about your money. If you're parking your money into, say, a checking account, you want to see if they're FDIC insured to make sure that you do have that safeguard with your with your money that you're holding on to in a particular institution we then have the mutual saving bank the msb deposits are insured by the federal deposit insurance corporation the fdic which again that's going to be a critical component typically if you're going to be holding on to money within an institution in something like a checking account or savings account they allow customers to maintain accounts with low balances while earning interest interest so they could be earning interest even on the low balances. Note that at this point in time, interest is still fairly low. So when you, <laughs> when you look at the interest earnings on things like savings accounts and checking accounts, you might, you might say, what is, you know, what is even the point if you've been living in a situation where interest rates have been extremely low for an extremely long point in time? But at any point in time, note that the interest rates could go up. We might hit a period of higher rates, higher inflation, and so on and so forth. And then those interest rates, you know, can be a lot more significant. And so, so they can be important. You do want to take them into consideration. Time, times will change in terms of how high the interest rates are going to be, be at a certain point in time. So if you open an account with a mutual savings bank, you are considered an owner in the bank because mutual savings banks do not have outside shareholders the way traditional banks uh, have. So again, the setup and the structure is different than a large bank, a corporation. Mutual saving banks functions to generate profits for their member shareholders, while credit unions operate as not-profit organizations de designed to serve their members. So slightly different structure from uh, the credit unions on the mutual savings banks.